Let's look at our second Bible reading then, which is to be found in Luke chapter 2. Now we've been, we've been all this year studying Psalm 23, the great shepherd psalm. We haven't quite finished it. I finished it at our church two or three weeks ago and I felt a bit lost once I'd finished it. I'm really not sure what I'm going to do next. But we haven't quite finished the psalm here, but it is Christmas time. We're running right into the Christmas season now. And I thought, well, if we're going to step aside, why not look at the shepherds in the nativity? And in a sense, keep the theme, but draw it into the Christmas time and dovetail the two together. And so we're going to look at the angelic visitation to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2 and reading from verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marvelled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. It's quite extraordinary, isn't it, um, that this greatest happening, God taking on human flesh, the word becoming flesh to tabernacle amongst us, that the announcement should be made to a group of shepherds. Who would have chosen shepherds? Would you have chosen shepherds? Would I have chosen shepherds? Probably not. From a worldly point of view, there must be a much better group of people, surely, 
to bring this message to than shepherds. What about what about the high priest? After all, he's the supposedly the religious leader of the country. Why not inform him? Or the chief priests, the supposedly the teachers of the country. Why not them? Or why not go to the Sanhedrin, to the to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the so-called moral guides of the country. Or maybe even to Caesar, the great emperor, the great military leader, the one who's in control and command, or at least thinks he is, of the whole of the known Roman world. Why a group of shepherds and of course the answer is found really verse 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Paul says not many wise according to the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called God's chosen the foolish things of the world God's chosen the weak things of the world and well, the shepherds certainly fit into that description. And that's the way it's always been. If we go to Isaiah 61, we see there, God most certainly has a special place in his heart for the lowly, very familiar words to us. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He's sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. See, not many wise, not many mighty, not many great and high people, no, the lowly, in order that God be glorified. And this, of course, is exactly what we see in Mary's response to getting the news in, in her Magnificat. Verse 42, he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. Well, shepherds certainly fit into that category. They were lowly and they were not held in high esteem by the time of Christ. It's a shame in a way and it's, it's a sad thing because, well, we've been studying the 23rd Psalm and we've considered 
many, many truths that we've drawn out of that psalm. And one of them, hopefully, that's come across again and again and again is that actually shepherds were, or good shepherds, were completely devoted to their flocks. They would put their lives in danger to protect their flocks. They, they managed their flocks intelligently. They weren't stupid people. But they were considered that way by the time of Christ. And it's really sad. It's very, very sad and it's a real shame because it was never really considered a shameful profession in the very, very early biblical times. Abraham kept flocks. Moses was a shepherd. Their great king David was a shepherd. All, in a way, types of Christ at various times and typical of him being the great shepherd of the sheep as the doxology at the end of Hebrews tells us and yet they were considered lowly by the time of Christ. They were poorly educated, they were poorly paid, they were at the bottom of the social heap and I think an awful lot of it is because they were victims of this awful self-righteous legalism of groups like the Pharisees. Well, if you're a shepherd and you're out there in the fields and you're having to work seven days a week, care for your flock, you're not able to keep all our oral laws. You're not able to keep all these 600 and odd laws that we've come up with as a hedge around God's law so you're just you're just sinners you're you're a write-off um, you're outcasts you're undesirables God's choice of them to bring the message to rather than to any of the religious leaders of course demonstrates that grace triumphs over man's work and all this terrible legalism and the lower the sinner the greater God's glory is manifested and it's wonderful isn't it that in this visitation to them by the angels we're told an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid well they would be wouldn't they the manifestation of an angel it's interesting that there's four recorded in the nativity to Zacharias to Joseph in a dream to Mary to the shepherds and on all four occasions the first thing that needs to be said is don't be afraid well the f just the manifestation and the presence of an angel would be enough to make anybody afraid we need to remember with Sennacherib's army 185,000 strong and it only took one angel to destroy them they're not to be messed with but it's wonderful that a messenger from God can say to these lowly people do not be afraid it shows 
that God has chosen not only the lowly and the weak, but he's chosen, as scripture continually teaches, he always will do, to reveal his truth to his people. Because I don't believe that a messenger sent straight from God to man would say, do not be afraid unless they were one of God's elect and their name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because if it wasn't, I don't think an angel would say to them, do not be afraid, because they would have everything to fear and be afraid of. And so it's a wonderful example of God revealing his truth to his people. And it's not to many wise, it's to the lowly. It's to this group of shepherds who are probably uneducated. It's to Joseph, who would have been poor and basically educated. It's to Mary, who also would have been, as well as very young, poor and very basically educated. And in all three instances, their response is absolute, unquestioning obedience to God's word. And the other one, the other visitation, is made to a highly educated, sophisticated priest, Zacharias. And what's his response? Well, how do I know that's true? Total opposite. Isn't it interesting? God reveals it to three groups of lowly people, unquestioning obedience. God reveals it to a priest, and the priest actually has the temerity to say to an angel, well, how do I know that's going to be right? And I don't think that we should understand the response as the angel in any way trying to politely introduce himself to Zacharias. The response is, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have come to deliver a message of glad tidings and goodwill to you. You want a sign? I'll give you a sign. I'll strike you dumb. It's a case of, have you no idea who I am and who is dealing with you? But you see, not many wise are called. And with Zacharias, I think you can see why. But the response from these shepherds really is rather wonderful. And the glory of the Lord shines all around them. The glory of the Lord, this is, this is his presence revealed in light. And it's light that would absolutely consume them. Fullness, God as always, in his grace and mercy, withholds what we could not cope with. He does it with Moses, doesn't he? Show me your glory, Lord. 
And what does he do? Hides him in the cleft of a rock while he passes. Such grace and mercy. But it's rather wonderful that God's glory shines all around them as this message is given to them because this nail then you see is the it's the establishment of a true worship of God again it means that there is going to be a place established for the ultimate sacrifice for sin and it means because the Lord Jesus has come into the world that there will be true and proper means of access to God and only Christ Jesus could achieve that. It happened with the first temple and of course when the temple is dedicated to the Lord the glory of the Lord the Shekinah glory comes down and it dwells in the temple and the people rejoice but sadly of course when you read on you have that terrible Ichabod experience and the glory of the Lord goes away again but the glory of the Lord has come back now with this announcement that the Christ child has been born it returns and they are told and you can see now why they're told don't be afraid for I bring you good tidings of great joy there's born to you this day a saviour they all need a saviour we all need a saviour and this will be the sign to you unlike Zechariah's sign to be struck dumb for questioning the sign they're given is one that will make it easier to find the babe that's quite profound isn't it could you imagine if they'd have just piled down into Bethlehem looking for a newborn child and had no idea even where to start looking? And even if they'd have found that child and hadn't been told what the sign was from the angel that they would find a babe in a manger, their reaction most likely would have been, well, it can't be this child, not in a manger. Surely it would be something better than that. But of course, God chooses the small things and the poor things of this world. And the shepherds needed to have that pointed out to them. It's another wonderful example of God's grace in the working of men's hearts in order to get the message of salvation to his elect. A wonderful, wonderful example of grace. And so... They have the sign, they're told what the sign is, and look at their response. The shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing. They couldn't wait to go. And that mirrors very, very accurately Mary's response. When Mary gets her good news, and the angel has also told her, about her cousin Elizabeth her immediate response is to go to Elizabeth what a challenge this should be to the church in general as soon as we have dealings with Christ our heart's desire should be to be with like-minded people 
to be with those that have the same blessings as us to be with those that have the same hope of glory that we have and to see so many half-hearted lukewarm christians that can't be bothered to go to church that can't be bothered to go to bible studies that really can take it or leave it as far as fellowship with their brothers and sisters are concerned that seem to have this idea that you can just go it alone and just tread water and you don't have to do anything else. You don't see these examples in Scripture. This isn't how the godly people in Scripture behave. There is always this desire and this urge to be with one another. I'm sure all our minds are probably going to that wonderful exhortation in Hebrews, I think it's chapter 10, let us come together and exhort and encourage and edify and build one another up and not to put away the meeting together one with another as is the way of some people but to come together all the more as we see the day approaching it's so important that we do this that we build and encourage and edify one another and this is what these shepherds want to do there's no thought here of when the angels have gone well that was amazing but we better just put that on the back burner now because we've got other things we need to get on with they left their flocks i don't suppose irresponsibly somebody would have been left looking after them but they just wanted to leave their flocks and get down to bethlehem and see this wonderful wonderful thing so there's so much here going on that is so analogous of our salvation and our conversion this is how we should be and they come with haste we're told in verse 16 and they find things just as they've been told of course and when they had seen him they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. The salvation analogy continues. We yearn to see souls saved, don't we? We, we want opportunities to tell other people. We want opportunities to speak and to preach God's truth into their lives. And this is exactly what these shepherds did. And the analogy continues. All those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Well, that's going to happen again this year, my brothers and sisters. There will be some people that will marvel at Christmas. But they'll soon forget it again. It'll soon just be put aside until... The next year and maybe then we'll do it all over again don't bother go to church in the year but i do like to go at christmas time and sing a few carols you know that kind of attitude there will be some people at marvel because it's very notable that we're told that the shepherds went out and told people and that people marveled but there's no record of any of those people 
getting converted, of going on with it, as it were, it just would have been a little flash in the pan and then back to the ways of the world. Which is very, very sad, isn't it? Very, very sad indeed. But not for these shepherds. Because they would have, well, can you even begin to imagine the wonderful time of fellowship that they must have had with Mary and Joseph when they turned up there? When they found them, when they saw that everything was exactly as the angel had said. And you can almost imagine Mary and Joseph saying, what on earth has brought you here? And then saying, we've actually had an angelic visitation. And Mary and Joseph saying, so did we. I mean, can you imagine what that must have been like for them all to share their experiences gathered around the Christ's child? It must have been the most wonderful time of fellowship and I can't help thinking that if all the professing Christians out there could grasp that truth, our churches would be heaving again because shouldn't we all want to come together and share with one another in a way of edifying and building one another up our experiences of what Christ has done for us. It must have been a wonderful, wonderful time. And at the end of it, in a way, back to earth with a bump, and nothing wrong with that, then the shepherds returned. But they didn't return as the same people that they were before. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. They had to go back to what they were doing before. They never lost their, as far as the world was concerned, their lowly status, their being looked down on, despised, ridiculed for being uneducated peasant shepherds that couldn't keep the um, pharisaical law. They had to go back to that, but they went back to it glorifying and praising God. They went back to it as new creations. They went back to it with a knowledge of God, a saving knowledge of God and a desire to serve him and to tell other people about him. And that's how it needs to be for us. Not just with our conversion, but every Sunday when we leave church, we come here, we meet together with our brothers and sisters, we build each other up, we edify each other, we encourage and bless one another. And then we've got to go back out of those doors and we've got to go back to the world. But we go back into the world praising and glorifying God. We go back into the world, hopefully, as we prayed earlier, that the world would see 
the Lord Jesus in us, that they would see that somehow we're different. We behave differently, we speak differently, our values are different, we treat people differently, all sorts of ways. But we need to be like those shepherds. We go back to our humble surroundings. I don't suppose any of those shepherds thought to themselves, well, this makes me on a par with the high priest now. Maybe I'll see if I can pick up on his lifestyle. There wouldn't have been anything like that. They went back to their humble dwelling, to their humble, lowly job, but they went back knowing that they were God's people and they went back praising and glorifying God. And may that be our encouraging thoughts for this Christmas time. Amen. <laughs>